This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. What is going on, team? Welcome back to another Q&A episode. We have some really good questions today, some different questions today. I am stoked to dive into these, but before we get into that, just a couple things that I want to plug. So first and foremost, if you're enjoying this podcast, if you're taking value from this podcast, do me a huge favor. Take a screenshot of your phone right now of this podcast, share it to your Instagram story, and tag me at Jeremiah Bear. One, I want to connect with you and thank you for listening, answer any questions you might have, and two, you're really helping me grow the reach of this show, so together we're helping more people, impacting more lives. Secondly, my 12-week training program challenge is releasing soon. So basically what this is, it is a 12-week periodized program created by me using all the principles of smart program design that you've heard me talk about on this podcast. Now, when the door is open for this program, I am limiting the, limiting the amount of people who can join. And once spots fill up, this won't be available again. So you'll have a choice between an upper lower functional bodybuilding type program or a full body strength and fat loss focus program. Now, both programs are designed to transform your physique to help you build functional strength and lean muscle and to push your energy systems, your conditioning to new heights. And on top of that, you'll have access to myself in a private community for accountability and support, along with everybody else that's running these training programs. We're here to answer any questions you have about the programs, um, your nutrition, to break down form videos for you, so on and so forth. So again, spots for this are limited, but as you are a loyal podcast listener, I want to give you first dibs on this. So the link for the waitlist is in the show notes of this episode. Drop your name, your email in there, and you'll be among the first to be notified when the program drops. So you'll have first dibs. All right. Now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and hop into the questions for today. So first one we had was how to transition from tracking macros into a more intuitive eating. Thank you. You're welcome. So um, okay, so transitioning from macros to intuitive eating. So honestly, the most common scenario I see this with actually, or why I put this into practice within my own online coaching service is actually transitioning pregnant women from tracking macros or maybe even tracking calories and protein to a more intuitive approach. But we also want to make sure they're getting enough protein because if you haven't worked with pregnant women, you know that like the hardest thing for pregnant women is getting adequate protein. For whatever reason, most protein sources seem to make pregnant women feel nauseous. So it does take a lot of creativity, a lot of individualization, really like working through what actually works and often even like rotating protein sources because you'll find that pregnant women get sick of the same protein very quickly. Super interesting stuff, but kind of a different tangent. So the point is that's when I've most often use it. So basically switching to an intuitive approach, but we're making we're, uh, we're making sure that you're still getting all the nutrients you need for health and that weight gain isn't excessive, of course. And I'm guessing in this situation, um, she's wanting to maintain. So typically this is what the process will look like. Let's just take you through like the process I would take an online client through if you were starting out tracking all your macros. So 
right out of the gate, you're tracking protein, carbs, fat, right? So our first step would just be going from tracking protein, carbs, and fat to simply tracking calories and protein. Now, we know that the reality is, unless you want to optimize absolutely everything, your ratio of carbs to fat in your diet doesn't make a huge difference. Now that said, like as you get more advanced, if we want to optimize performance, it makes most sense to like make sure we're getting adequate carbs in. We also want to make sure we're getting at least 0.3 grams per pound of body weight of fat so we don't experience hormonal disruptions, so we don't experience fatty acid deficiencies. But past that point, we don't really need a ton more fat. But damn again, I'm going off on a lot of random tangents today. Um, the point is, well, the ratio of carbs to fats isn't, it does make a difference, but it's not that important. So typically by this point, somebody that's tracked macros, we know, okay, essentially you're eating mostly whole foods, you're controlling calories, you're getting enough protein. So pretty much your carb and fat ratios will fall naturally in pretty good places. So this is easy as long as we're controlling calories and protein, really carbs and fats, again, kind of fall where they need to be and controlling your body comp is pretty easy. So from there, then we'll shift to, this is when we actually shift to like not tracking for a couple of days. So the next step is just focusing on eating. Let I typically start, like let's take two days this week where you're not tracking. That said, we still have structure around, and you're gonna track the other five days. That said, we still have structure around these untracked days. So typically I'll pull from precision nutrition and we'll use the handful diet. So, okay, all I want you to make sure you do on these two to three, or these two untracked days is eat two palm-sized portions of lean protein at every meal. So again, by the time a client's gone through macros, they know like, okay, these are some good lean protein sources. I could go with like a sirloin steak. I could go with some chicken breast. I could go with some lean ground beef. And I'm just going to make sure I get about two palm sized portions. What that does, that ensures that we get around 40 to 50 grams of, depending on the individual, how big your hand is. We can assume, let's say 30 to 50 grams of lean protein at each meal. Now that in itself is going to be very satiating. Also because it's a leaner protein source, we know it's not going to be super calorie dense. And then we'll say on top of that, I want you to make sure you get like one serving of fruit, two servings of veggies per day. So once we've ticked all those boxes, we have all these solid habits in place. Basically, you're getting a lot of protein, you're getting a lot of fiber. So this case is back to like the dietary displacement idea. Basically, instead of saying don't eat this, we're saying focus on these foods that are relatively low calorie, but they're going to keep you very full. And the idea of auto-regulating your appetite, which is something I talk about with clients a lot. Basically, by doing this, we know that like if you tick all these boxes, it's going to be a lot harder for you to overeat. So we'll start at say two days a week there okay we're just making sure you're getting plenty of protein um we're just making sure that you're getting a lot of fiber fruits veggies from there we're going to keep tracking your body metrics so we'll still have you take your weight at least three times a week you're still tracking body measurements and honestly it's pretty rare within my online coaching service that i um have someone that doesn't like take their weight or they don't take body measurements this is almost always a mainstay just because those metrics are so important now usually like in a situation like this is actually when somebody's 
achieved the physique that they want to maintain long term and we're kind of transitioning you out to like okay i'm going to show you how to maintain we're going to make sure you have all the skills in place to maintain for a month or two and then we're going to set you free to do this on your own now that you have the confidence to do this and then i'll give you like your exit strategy so here's exactly what you need to do for the next six months to a year to maintain this to achieve your next goal so on and so forth and we don't have to go super deep into that but from here if body measurements are pretty much sitting which again typically this is a point where somebody wants just maintenance if they're trying to transition to like an intuitive eating approach and i would say like it's smart to do this in a maintenance phase if you're in a deficit like if you're still trying to lose fat it's probably not the best time to like completely change your dietary approach also if you're focused on like okay i want to do everything possible to build lean muscle again it's not the best time but I would say like in a maintenance phase is ideal here. And this is pretty much always or like pregnancy where we want to see a very, very slow rate of weight gain. That said, like in pregnancy, <laughs> the weight gain isn't normally the problem. It's like avoiding excessive weight gain. So again, it's pretty similar to a maintenance. We're just slightly above maintenance calorie intake. Um, but anyway, so from there, then we just gradually increase the number of days. Like, okay, we see your body weight sitting well. So this week we're going to do three to four days. This week we're going to do five to six days. Maybe you just track whatever day of the week is typically your most challenging to control calories. And then finally we transition to, okay, now we're doing seven days a week. And basically now the thing to understand here is this intuitive eating approach is never just like, yeah, I pretty much just eat whatever I feel like my body always leads me in the right direction. It's basically you practice all these smart habits around nutrition. Like the reality is if you build all your meals around two to three palm-sized portions of protein, we make sure we get two to three servings of fruit per day, um, two to four servings of greens per day, and again, like a cupped hand of fruit, a fist-sized portion of veggies. If we build our days around that, these habits, and let's say... Jill Coleman on her episode really talked. I really, really liked her approach to this too. She had like these habits she always had every day. So like we never string together two quote unquote bad meals in a row. So basically you never string together two meals that you know are super high calorie that are outside of these whole foods in a row. Um, You always go for two 15 minute walks per day, something like that. You have these lifestyle habits in place around your food, around your movement, around your training. And eventually all of this just becomes intuitive. So without thinking about it, you look, you scan the menu at the restaurant and say, okay, where are my lean proteins? It's not just like, man, I would smash a burger right now. (laughs) That intuitively sounds good to me. It's all these habits, it's all these habits become very intuitive to you. And then all of this becomes a lot more natural. All right, (laughs) I think that was more than enough on that and a lot of random side tangents there, but I hope that was helpful. Um, Next up we have, do you have any recommendations for daily journaling and what works best? All right, so journaling is something I love. As a very anxious individual, journaling journaling has helped me tremendously and really... I think for I think anyone can take a lot of value from journaling because it really helps you delve a lot deeper into yourself. Like 
these things that at surface level you can't identify like, man, why do I feel so pissed off today? Why do I feel so sad today? What is going on with me today? Or like even these little things that trigger you with like how your significant other is acting, um, how your friends or like the people around you are acting, things that irritate you. Journaling really gives you a chance to delve into that and you learn so much more about yourself. That said, a couple years ago when my mentor first told me to start journaling, so at the time I was going through crazy, crazy time and I could not sleep. Like I would, my stress was the highest, uh, maybe not the highest. My stress was pretty high though. And, um, I kept waking up at three to four in the middle of the night, which I now know like, like my cortisol curve was flipped. So my cortisol was spiking in the middle of the night because I was so stressed out. But at the time I hadn't quite put that together. My mentor told me, dude, you need to start journaling before bed. It helps so much. And I was like, what? I am not going to journal. <laughs> like that sounds so stupid. So foo-foo, but I started doing it and truly the most helpful thing. So typically I recommend this for clients that don't sleep, but uh, man, I am rambling a lot today. So anyways, taking it to helpful journaling practices. This can take a lot of different forms and it's very much an, it depends on what you find works best for you. So I do really like just a brain dump journal. So this is how I started. And this is most often, even like to this day, this is what I do before I go to bed. So basically just I open up a Google Doc, but you can do it on written paper if you prefer. Literally just no judgment. Just let your words spill out on the paper. Don't really even think about them. Just write. And all these thoughts will come out. Again, don't try to filter it. Don't worry like that. I mean, you probably will want to delete it if it's <laughs> depending on what you got going on there. But don't like think about how other people see it. Don't even judge yourself. Just let all your words out. And the most common scenario I prescribe this for is when people that are really having trouble sleep. Really something about just like getting the thoughts that are in your head out on that Google Doc or out on that paper. It just stops that endless thought loop that is always going on. And so like when you hop in bed, you're not constantly in your head anymore. It makes a crazy difference for sleep. I've prescribed so many online clients journaling before they go to bed to really help with this. All right. So from there, and you can really do that morning or night. Again, that's, I've experimented with a lot of different things. That's typically what I like to do before I go to bed. I like to go through like a list of something else that really helps me is just writing out literally every single thing I need to know I need to do the next day on a piece of paper and I'll do that and then I'll journal and then pretty much right after that I'll hop into bed that really helps me because again otherwise I'm always like <laughs> I'm always almost asleep or remember something I have to do like oh fuck then I gotta hop up and make a note on my phone or like set an alarm with that as the name so that helps um, getting more structured with it if you don't find you do well with just the brain dump has helped a lot too so um, Brennan Bouchard's high performance planner really takes you through this well um, this is something that I've sent to a couple of my clients that are also business owners also coaches um, people I mentor I send this out quite a bit and it's really I really really like this for a time until recently I was using this so basically this takes you through first thing in the morning like um what can I get excited about today 
if one word could describe the kind of person I want to be today, then that word is blank and why I choose it is blank. Someone who needs me on my A-game today is blank. A situation that might stress me out or trip me up today could be blank. And the way that my best self would deal with that is blank. Someone I could surprise with a note, gift, or sign of appreciation is blank. One action I could take today to demonstrate excellence or real value is blank. One thing I could do today that is a little outside of my comfort zone is to try basically ask for something, express something, take a big leap, etc. If I was a high-performance coach looking at my life from a high level, I would tell myself to remember today that blank, the big projects I have to keep in mind that are that I want to take on, even if I can't act towards them today, are blank. And I would know that today was a great success if at the end of the day I did set or felt blank. All right, so basically, I know this a lot, but basically the high performance planner, it has a morning and a night section. It's just like um, the night is six questions, the morning is 10 questions. It takes you through really quickly, like, approaching your day with a good mindset and then at the night you can go through like what I appreciated what I learned from the day what would have made today better if I was a high performance coach what would I tell myself differently and then you actually give yourself a score for all these different habits or all these different things like how's my clarity today how's my productivity today how's my energy today um just different things like that it's super helpful again that's Brendan Bouchard's high performance planner that said and finally I am just going in on questions today. So, but finally, um, I actually stopped doing this because I've started doing something called the stack, which is from wake up warrior. So the stack has actually been, as far as journaling goes, it's the most helpful thing that I have ever used. I would say by far. So basically you start with, and it's, it takes quite a while to fill out, which is why I stopped doing the high performance planner, you only have so much time in the morning and the night to journal. So basically I swapped the stack for the high performance planner, but basically it starts you off in the darkness. So, and this is always part of my morning routine. Now <laughs> you start like any situation in your life that's pissed you off, that's frustrated you, that's making you sad, whatever you go through the scenario, you work through, it has a lot of questions. It has to be like 40 to 50 questions. And it's crazy because like truly every time I go into this thinking, and basically it takes you all the way from the darkness through like, okay, what's the story? Is that really true? What's the opposite of the story? How does, which version of the story do you want to choose? Like, what's the lesson you've learned from this? How do you apply this to body being balanced business? Um, crazy in depth. And it basically takes you all the way from the darkness to the light, which is always wild. It can end up with... <laughs> It can start with just something that's like, it's so stupid. I can't even believe I'm so upset about this. Like this morning it was, my wrist has been killing me. I think I'm developing like some carpal tunnel or something like that. But anyways, um, that was what it started out with. And I was like, this is so stupid. There's literally nothing I'm even going to take from working through the whole stack. Just talking about my wrist. Like it's not that big of a deal. I don't even know why I care about this so much. I'll, I'll suck it up. I'll be fine. But by the end, I had like these profound insights about all these different areas of my life and that's literally every single time that's what it comes to <laughs> now that said i can't give the whole stack away on this podcast but i would say that is definitely as far as journaling practices go that's what i found most helpful again currently i do the stack in the morning and then at night just so i can sleep well i'll do i'll write a list of everything i need to do the next day and i'll do the brain jump or the brain dump journal where just whatever's on my mind i just let out on the paper.
All right, next question. Not related, but important. What is your favorite Taylor Swift song? Hardest question I've been asked on this podcast. All right, so I would say my favorite Taylor Swift song would have to be Blank Space. Such a good song. Um, Always a classic. Now I do have to say I haven't even listened to like her latest album. Um, But yeah, it's got to be Blank Space. Tim McGraw, that's a great one too. Takes me back to like eighth grade, junior high dances and shit like that. But um, yeah, got to be Blank Space. All right, next question we have. Podcasting tips whatever you can asking guests on execution batching them etc all right so um i think a big thing with podcast is people are just scared to ask to have the bigger guests on like people always ask me how do i get the guests that i have on my podcast on my podcast and i literally just dm them like yo you don't hop on my podcast and I have never once had anybody say no. That's, that's, I think, and that's such a good, like, analogy for all of life. The reality is, like, there's a saying, ask and you shall receive. But it's so true. If you just, well, it might be scary. You just go out and, like, ask for what you want. Put it out there. Proactively chase it. Good things will come back to you. That's true for, like, building a coaching service, getting guests on your podcast, anything. You just have to put yourself out there more often than not. Like I think why people think that doing dope things with your life is so hard is that people are just scared to ask now (laughs) completely different tangent once again, but a big part of getting guests on again, is like, just ask. And then from that point, like once you've had a couple of guests on normally, like you'll know, like for me, of course I have a lot of coaches on. Now, most coaches are kind of in a network. Like, you know, these are 10 close coaches that they're good friends with, that they're pretty associated with. So then once you have somebody on, then you can like, if you want somebody else on the network on, you can say like, yo, I would love it if you came on my podcast. Um, and when I'm asking, I don't just say, yo, come on my podcast. Um, we'll all typically say like, hey, like, and it, it's always somebody that I've followed for a long time. And the the dope thing for me is like, for the last, or something that's helped me a lot too is for the last like five years, so many of these people on the podcast have been building a relationship. So like when I DM them, they can already see that like we've gone back and forth in our DMs from like 2016. So that's something that's honestly really helped me as well. And I would say too, like people that you want to have on your show, engage with them a lot or like the Mind Pump guys, I wrote blogs for them for years or like many of my coaches have been on there, people that have some way invested in their service. So that helps a lot. Go out of your way to build a relationship first. Um, Provide them value if you can. And then tell them why you think your guests would benefit from having them on the podcast. Um, That really helps. As far as I like to batch my interviews together. I like to really have like a podcast week where I record all my all my episodes for the next month as far as guests so every monday when a guest episode drops i like to record all of those within one week i get in a good rhythm um and really i found that like preparing for four to six podcasts with a guest because i am somebody that prepares a lot as well 
that works for me a lot better than like, and I can make it a lot more time efficient if I'm like in podcast mode, I'm in interview mode. Whereas like if I have to say I have one interview a week, I have to take the time to prepare for that interview and then like get in podcast interview mode. And then by the time I am in that state, if I don't have any more interviews that week, it's like a lot of preparation for just one. Whereas I can bust out like four to six more really good interviews much more efficiently if I batch them. So as far as those, I like to batch them. And then I record my Wednesday podcast. Then every Tuesday I do my other two podcasts of the week. So of course, the Q&A, because I ask it on my Instagram story, I ask that Monday, answer my questions Tuesday, and then basically I'll record this Q&A, and then I'll record my um, Wednesday episode as well right after this. So that's really how I batch them. And then I think also like figuring out what works best for you. So for example, I know some people when they go into like Q&As or like any podcast episodes will just wing it. It's all just off the dome. Whereas for me, I am very much someone that likes to prepare or over prepare for things. So like be it interviews, Q&As, anything like that, I like to over prepare. So I think some of it and my episodes are so much better. So I know like for me for a while with the Q&As, I was just trying to wing it and they weren't nearly as good as they are now because I wasn't really prepared for them because that's not my personality. So I think some of it too comes down to just knowing yourself, what works best for you, how you kind of function best there. Don't really try to follow what anyone else is doing. And then like all things content, having a specific schedule for your podcast is super important. It's almost like a TV show, like a, well, your guests know like, I don't, The Bachelor something that's coming to mind, which, what is that, Tuesday nights? <laughs> it's been a couple of years since my girls watched The Bachelor, so I can't remember, but point is, like, anybody that's a huge fan of the show The Bachelor knows exactly, like, the day and time that's going to be on every week. People should feel the same way about your podcast. You all know my podcast drops Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Pacific time, I get confused about what time zone I'm in because Arizona doesn't have daylight savings time and we go back and forth. The most confusing thing ever. But you should have a very specific schedule for your podcast. These are my exact times and days. And then put that out there on the podcast. Put that out there publicly to create more accountability so people are going to hold you to that standard. That helps a ton as well because people need to know like all your content you need to have a consistent schedule with. The podcast though is super, super important for that as well. And then finally, I would say realize that it's not going to be perfect, but just release it anyways. Like for me, it amazes me that as many people listen to the podcast as do (laughs) because to me, I still think it sounds pretty shitty. I'm frustrated with my inability to articulate thoughts a lot of times on the show. But the reality is the podcast has grown a ton in the last few months alone. So just realize, or like, I know for me, so many times I've done an interview and like, man, that was terrible. I just stumbled my way through that. And then I'll go back and listen to it occasionally because I don't like to listen too much of myself talking, but I'll go back and listen to it and like, oh man, this sounds pretty good. So often realize that your thoughts about yourself in the moment, like when you're speaking on the podcast, aren't always reality. And the more you can just say, screw it and like, okay, I have to accept. Now I'm very much a perfectionist, so I hate saying like, uh, this is good enough. 
but often with a podcast you do have to accept like okay this is good enough and like if you're recording a solo episode you can literally go back cut out a clip re-record it a hundred times and by the time you've created one episode you spent four to six hours trust me i've been there But the reality is if you're taking that approach, you're never actually going to get good at articulating your thoughts in one take. This is going to take so much longer. So imperfect action, we could say, with the podcast is also, I think, very important. And yeah, as far as podcast goes, I think that's as of now, that's my advice on it. All right, guys, and that is all I have for you today. Again, thank you for tuning in. This is Living Lean.